The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Hale Varsity Radio Road Show today. We are at Haymarket Park, just a gorgeous setting as the ground crew getting the infield watered. Claiborne, uh, the railroaders in town for the Salt Dogs home opener here for 2021. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we are excited to be out on the road, the windows are open. We're in the press box. Cars are zooming by as they enter into the capital city. And uh, what a triangular scene here between PBA, Haymarket, and, of course, the west side of Memorial Stadium. Plenty of football and other things to get into today on Hale Varsity Radio. Numbers to join us, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email chris at halevarsity.com. And, of course, find us, follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah. So, Elijah, you got double duty. You're doing uh, the, the show today, and then, of course, you're producing engineering for Michael Dixon and the dogs a little bit later. Um, uh, sorry to taunt you with beautiful weather and being quasi outdoors while you're stuck inside. Are you coping okay? Oh, I'm doing fine because there is nothing I would rather do than watch or listen to a baseball game and make some money. That's why I umpire baseball. That's why I go produce these games. Like, what's there to complain about, really, at the end of the day? A lot of other people are doing a lot worse things for a, for a paycheck than, than me sitting here listening to some baseball games and watching sports. A couple of the... Uh, the uh the railroaders are warming up out in left field right now and they're playing long toss but uh, it's the old nolan ryan method there's a, a football out so there's quite a few bootleg rights or bootleg lefts and go patterns we've got a pump fake and now there's a long toss short of the warning track it's incomplete in fourth down coming up mitch sherman from the athletic will be with us we'll talk with mitch his take on husker baseball's incredible weekend as they look towards postseason spend a few minutes on some husker football with mitch in hour two we'll dive into some royals and chiefs thoughts with blair kirkhoff from the kansas city star also get his takeaway on the upcoming college football season and it's tuesday so we talk with the Cavs. Rick Kaczynski will be with us at 525. So uh, some news and notes. Uh, we'll uh, explore the epic uh, goodbye broadcast from, from Kenny Maine on SportsCenter last night with, with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and Aaron opens up a little bit more about his grievance with Green Bay. Uh, Kepka and uh, DeChambeau, the hate is real and continued thanks to the leaked Golf Channel video and footage 
with the post-round interview from, I believe that was Friday. And, of course, Bryson was uh, macho enough to, to post some of his uh, workouts uh, on Twitter where he's just crushing barbells and sweating up a storm. So that's all natural, Elijah, if you wondered. Yeah, this thing is just this this whole Bryson Brooks Kepka. It's just pure entertainment. I mean, Brooks definitely isn't the first person out there to, to not be a big fan of Bryson. We, we need to talk to Shuhart about this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bryson just—it feels like he, he's been the, the champion of the common golf fan to just kind of sit there and go, oh, "Look how far he drives it." But it, it just really angers these these golf purists. <laughs> you said the the word purist. <laughs> Okay, you said purist, and and how do you get that frame right? Uh, so we'll dive into to all of that. Let's start off with some Nebraska football, and uh, you've got the uh, the big red blitz. It's going to be happening in June. Moose Frost and company will be uh, touring a lot of big red country. That's always a lot of fun to to have fan interaction, and this was a really good article out by a national writer. Uh, for 24-7 sports. And uh, Josh Pate, uh, he uh, does a nice job of covering Nebraska. And I'm interested here to get uh, your thoughts. You can email chris at halevarsity.com, 466-3776. I have my take on it, but it asks the question here with his podcast here, uh, What what is the, the biggest fear for this Nebraska fan base and the biggest fear as you go into year four with Scott Frost in Nebraska is that uh, you know Scott is not the guy Scott Frost and this staff cannot fix Nebraska football that's the fear you've got doubters out there you've got national doubters you couldn't find a doubter once the hire was made now more and more doubters are popping up uh and does that doubt become a reality that scott frost can't turn the program around and elijah i I think the the key point in this story is that the reality is this for nebraska football it's just going to take a little bit longer and it's going to take a little bit longer for nebraska to win nebraska won at incredible levels in the regular season. Nebraska won at respectable levels against top 25 competition. And I'm talking to Vanny and Osborne and even Solichera. And Nebraska won at a, again, I'll I'll go respectable level uh, when it comes to bowl games. But you can't doubt the championships. And I know that's a while ago. But Nebraska was good at being in it till the end of the regular season no matter what conference they were in and and you know can nebraska now a decade plus into the big 10 turn back into that team during Polini's time they were always in it they weren't always going to the big 10 championship game but they went at least once and uh, they had an opportunity really honestly into that second to last week november in most seasons uh, you were in until October, the one year in Riley when Nebraska started out six or seven and zero, and then it fell apart. And right now, Nebraska's trying to find their their footing, and they've made some adjustments body type wise. When you look at what they're doing at wide receiver, uh, they've emphasized the right things with strength, conditioning, power, all that stuff on the lines of scrimmage. So 
A, is patience going to wear out before this guy gets it flipped around? And the article in 24-7 Sports is like, look, you know, Scott's not a guy who's forgotten how to coach or can't coach. He's a good coach. He's, he's built a program before, and he did it rather quickly at Central Florida. That works against him. And the expectation was to come into Lincoln and just kind of turn the lights back on. And it's easier said than done. And Nebraska is doing it along the lines of scrimmage first in the Big Ten, which is what you got to do. Elijah, you know as well as I do, those position groups take longer to season and get ready. Sometimes you hit it uh, in a situation where uh, a guys like a Ben Hart play early, a guys like a Ty Robinson and and Rogers can play early, right? Well, those are those are three examples, but there's. Uh, a lot of instances where it takes a guy till his second year to get comfortable, and then by his red shirt sophomore year or junior year, he's ready to go. It's it's a it's a build up, and the hope is to have a pipeline established where you can kind of reload versus reset. And programs, the best of them, not named Ohio State, have all had years they've had to reset. Penn State's had to reset. Iowa's had to reset. Wisconsin's had a air quote reset 8-5 and five season. Northwestern in between 9-3 and three Big Ten West Championship seasons. Well, not 9-3 and three last year, but you get my point. They had a 3-9 and nine year with an incredible defense. So that's just the league you live in. My fear is this. And it's it, it and it's about 2021, and my fear is that you're too stubborn to to lean on your offensive line to dictate what you call and how you win football games. Now the offensive line is the key domino to what you get out of your running game. How much time you give Adrian to find these bigger-bodied wide receivers, and obviously, uh, if you have a little quarterback run mixed in. But do you get Adrian killed? Does Adrian get uh, blindsided on third and eight so it's a strip sack fumble? You know, my biggest fear is that, A, you, you don't just go heavy and run the football. My second biggest fear is that they look like they haven't been practicing. They look like the, the team that is unable to have ball security, and they also look like a team that is not better at handling their business when it comes to penalties the execution phase uh that's on the players not the coaches when it comes to jumping on on third and short or an offsides or a false start or a holding elijah that's my fear that it's the same movie and we've seen this movie a lot where it's been self-destruction by nebraska if nebraska lines up and gets beat by wisconsin or iowa or oklahoma or ohio state okay did you go down swinging and did the better team just get you that saturday i think nebraska fans while while sick of losing to those two teams in the west can accept a hard-fought loss versus a man there's some 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 wishful thinking and some remorse because man if you would have handled your business a little bit better versus what the other guy was doing that's been the hardest thing to stomach with a lot of these losses where Nebraska is that close. They're within one score of a lot of their 20 losses in the Frost era. They can just handle themselves a little bit better, be it a penalty that ruins a drive or a turnover or even uh, an identity in the red zone. What can you go to? What can be 
rock star solid for you to go to. They know it's coming, and you can't stop it. That's why I go back to the offensive line. Yeah, and just to get back to this article, I mean, this team looks close. I, I think Husker fans ever eat like national media might not see it, but the, the fans who go and watch every single game can see that it, it's little mistakes that are beating this team. So uh, if Scott Frost can get us this close, uh, you would think that, it, I mean, how hard could it be to clean up these little mistakes? And we've seen it for three years now, so it must be a little difficult. Uh, but he should be able to do that. And, and if he can't, then who is going to be able to step in in Nebraska and, and do that? Look at what's going on down at Texas. I mean, Whenever coaches are getting fired, whenever their, their teams are close or, or they can't find the success, it, it becomes other coaches saying, well, why would I want to go down there mm-hmm. if he can't get the job done? And I, and I guarantee other coaches around the country are saying that. If they're saying, if Bo Pelini, Mike Riley, and Scott Frost all couldn't get it done at Nebraska, why am I going to be able to go in there and get it done? I, I'm going to be out of there in three years just like those other guys. The, the problem lies in that Nebraska has done a hard reset three times since they joined the Big Ten. Uh, Bo Pelini had to reset his team a little bit to get it ready for the Big Ten. And then before he could even finish his reset, he was out the door. And it's a completely new reset into Mike Riley, who's trying to reset the program and build it. And then uh, he does damage to the program. And Scott Frost has got to come in and, and reset the damage done by Mike Riley to, to get this program back to where it needs to be. It's, it, it takes time whenever you have done three hard resets within 10 years. <laughs> well, we can, we can add to it because, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's been five Resets. If we want to go back, I mean, it's a it's a constant. And to your to your point, with why would I want to go to Nebraska? They eat their young. If you're an opposing coach or a coach that you think could come in and, and do work, that's been common. I mean, it's not like Urban Meyer hadn't been called about the Nebraska job. It's not like Steve Spurrier wasn't reached out to about the Nebraska job. I mean, their their responses are like. <laughs> Well, damn, uh, so-and-so won nine games, and that's really hard and really good. <laughs> Please appreciate that. <laughs> and the problem is, is you got uh, T.O. That, that did it for 25 years, and he made it look easy. It wasn't. They yep. were that great. So when, when it's interesting wins. to see uh, just where... Uh, things go with this, but uh, Nebraska definitely a an off season talking point, and it's now down to you know the fair, the fan base's fear uh, about uh, where this program's at in the head coach, and you know what if if they are three and nine, four and eight, and they look just disinterested, they look like a mess, they look like they don't practice. Last year was was tough because of, of some of the opportunities they had. Can they forge forward and just be better at handling their own business? And it's the same conversation uh, when it comes to quarterback play. That roller coaster, be it injury or turnovers or quarterback merry-go-round. Can you settle, keep your current quarterback healthy, who's got a lot of talent, who's worked on his body, and uh, can, he, uh, can he flourish with what he was when he came in. Can you find a couple of running backs and can you let Greg Austin be run game coordinator and keep calling run play after run play after run play if it's working? And and can you find something that works where you can just absolutely hammer away on an opposing defense? You've got a lot of uh, talent back. You've got a number of guys defensively that are back. It could be there for you. Now, you need to get after the quarterback. You need to cause some more turnovers. 
uh, all that. But uh, find me that bread and butter if you're the Nebraska offense. And uh, that that thought bubble is out there, man. If if uh, there's not progress, is it a bigger talking point of, my Lord, can it be fixed? And, and I absolutely do, do think it can be fixed. It's just a matter of waiting for it to get fixed. Now, you've seen some instances where coaches have come in and flipped it. And I'm going to go back to, to what uh, what was left in the will, right? What's the inheritance like? Different situation for the Urbans and Stoopses, uh, Mac Browns of the world even, and even Jimbo Fisher down at Florida State. We'll check in with Mitch Sherman. We're live at Haymarket Park, the home opener for the Salt Dogs and uh, the Railroaders. Uh, Michael Dixon going to be with us in our two Blair Kirkhoff. Next hour, Rich Kudzinski, Kaz with us. Mitch Sherman's next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at Haymarket Park. In the booth is some infield being taken here by the Railroaders. They are still playing. It's not touch football. It's not even seven on seven. But they got the football Nolan Ryan style out in left field warming up. Uh, Got a tweet back we'll address here uh, from a listener about our conversation here about uh, the fan base's biggest fear and that uh, national writer from 24-7 Sports touching on on Frost and the direction of the program. Uh, Just to be clear, we are not saying pull the plug, Elijah. That's not the conversation we just had for for 15 minutes. No, I I think we were saying the exact opposite. Yes. Uh, We were saying it's going to take a a little bit longer. We we welcome in Mitch Sherman, who's covered Nebraska football for a couple of decades, done a great job with it. We'll start with baseball. Find Mitch on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. Read him with The Athletic. Mitch, uh, let's jump in with Will Bolt and just what Nebraska baseball has done in this short period of time. Do you think Will's ahead of schedule, or are you that surprised Nebraska baseball's done what they've done? I'm a little surprised that Nebraska is. And I can't hear to... Mitch. Hello. You got me, Chris? Do you still not How's have me, Chris? I do not. Are you sure? Okay. Let's try again. Mitch, do you have us? You should have you. One more time. One more time. Do not have him. Mitch, you there? I'm here, yeah. I can hear Chris. Now I've got him. Mitch, thank you. Okay. All right. I'm here. Hey, <laughs> you're out at Haymarket Park. Are you Are you, uh, Are you? you getting primed? Are you, like, tailgating, like, 48 hours in advance or 72 hours in advance for the uh, coronation weekend? You know, I, I'm not ta- – that would be a sweet idea, though, just get a sleeping bag and do it that way. I'm here for the Salt Dogs opener, Mitch. But, uh, no, I, I jumped in with, with the Will Bolt question. Thanks for yes. uh, taking that inside pitch to the ear hole as we started off this interview and uh, no dusted problem. yourself off. Uh, but uh, appreciate you. No, uh, but, yeah, get down here. I'll buy some brats. We'll start tailgating, and you and I will – We'll, we'll hold court uh, until uh, until Michigan rolls in. But back to the original question before I interrupted you. Now I can hear you. <laughs> a thought on Will, Will Bolt's yeah. accomplishments here so far. Yeah, I heard the question. Um, well, he's ahead of schedule. I mean, I don't know how you can frame it any different. I mean, who thought Nebraska would be in a position to 
win the Big Ten outright with a week left in the season in his first full year. I know this is year two, but they didn't play in the Big Ten last year. The season was canceled before that all got underway. And from a roster-building standpoint, the this is, this is kind of like year two, but he didn't have enough time to entirely evaluate what was coming back. There are programs, when you look around the country, that have really suffered because, uh, and it's not just in, in baseball, but basketball, football, whatever sport you're talking about, that really suffered because of the roster management as a result of the pandemic. And I think the programs that it was the most difficult for were coaches like Will Bolt, who were new to their job. And, you know, this was either this was their first year or last year was their first year. So I actually think the task that, that, that he had in front of him and what he's accomplished is even more impressive because of the turmoil and all of the, the difficulties that they had to navigate last season. They didn't necessarily know what they were dealing with 100% uh, when the season shut down from a roster point of view, and they, they hadn't been through the Big Ten to scout this thing. So here you come into year two, and it's really year one, and in some ways you're almost behind year one because of, of, of the uh, challenges that were posed. So put all that into a, into a glass and shake it up, and the job that he's done here as we sit a week from the end of the season is nothing short of, of remarkable. I think him and his staff and those older players who come back to lead this thing, they deserve all of the praise they're going to get this weekend and the accolades that are coming their way and a good, respectable spot away from a national seed as a number two next week in the tournament. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. We're here at Haymarket Park. Mitch, that's where I want to go next is getting out of that projected Fayetteville Regional and into Lubbock. If that holds form, uh, what are we talking about here? How much damage do you think Nebraska can do? I know we're getting cart before the horse. Michigan's still here this weekend. But, you know, how do you think Nebraska can, can match up with that projection here? Well, Nebraska's clinched the spot. They got the automatic bid, so I think it's, it's okay to talk about it. You want to still have momentum, for sure, going into the postseason. And it's an unusual situation because usually you're not playing regular season games when you've got this thing clinched down. Um, so, you know, you can go back to Will Bolt's time as a, as a player and as, and as a volunteer coach in this program when Nebraska had secured its postseason long before the end of the regular season. And, you know, you're playing for a seed, you're playing for momentum at the end. And Nebraska thrived in those spots. You know, it went and won Big 12 tournament championships when it was already locked into a one seed at times. That's what's on the table for the Huskers this weekend. And there's no better opponent to put in front of them than Michigan, who the last time we played a college baseball postseason was one win from a national championship. I think Will Bolt can, can, can put that in front of his players this weekend and say, if you guys have any concerns, and they probably don't, but if you guys have any questions or concerns about how far you can go in June, look at the role that Michigan entered the postseason on in 2019. No one thought Michigan was going to make the College World Series. And when Michigan made the College World Series two years ago, no one thought it was going to do anything but go 0-2. So to be there on Monday night in the finals and win that game against Vanderbilt, one win from a national championship, is, is that that is something that can be a huge motivating force for Nebraska as it gets ready for the postseason. Because Michigan, the opponent coming in this weekend, showed that it can be done. 
And not to say that Nebraska is in a great spot to win a national championship this year, but uh, it's it's out there, and it's okay to dream big if you're if you're in Will Bolt's program because they have momentum right now. As well as Nebraska played last weekend, uh, you 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 know you have to think that it's a possibility this team can make noise in the postseason. I don't know if Lubbock is a good spot. I don't know if um, being shipped to the West Coast or the East Coast is a good spot. I do know that that Tim Tadlock at Texas Tech has built a program that is a consistent winner and has made trips to Omaha. And as difficult as it would be to go to Arkansas and try to win a regional, it's probably not much easier to go to Lubbock and do it. Now, Mitch, when we had Mike Babcock on yesterday, he said that anything after this regular season, anything the Huskers do in the postseason would just be icing on the cake for a great season. And I would agree with him there. But if the Huskers are going to make some noise in the postseason – Who's got to step up on the teams? The bullpen, starting pitching, hitting? I mean, you'd think somebody's got to step up uh, when you're taking on the, these really good SEC teams, but, but who is it in particular? Well, I mean, I would, I, would, I would say that it's important for the players not to have that, that outlook at it. Um, the players, sure, from a program-wide perspective, yes, getting to the postseason this year, winning the Big Ten is a great accomplishment. The season is going to be, is going to be viewed as a success. But if Nebraska um, stalls to the finish here this weekend and then exits quietly in the in the in a regional, no one in that in that locker room is going to be happy. And you know, I think that they should take motivation from what Michigan did two years ago and said, if they can do it, we can do it. And and then it, you know, it should only be viewed as as a success by those guys if they really make some noise in June. Um, it depends on it depends on how your postseason goes. If you if you lose one of those first two games in a regional, then you're going to need the bullpen to step up, and you're going to need your starting pitching to be strong. And pitching is is is, is almost always the the primary um, vehicle to have success, long term success in the postseason, and to have a shot to get to Omaha. You're going to need your starters to go deep into games. You're going to need guys like Povich, um, you know, like what we saw last weekend from Nebraska on the mound throwing a couple of shutouts. That's the kind of performance you're going to need in a regional to have a chance to win it in, in whatever ballpark Nebraska gets sent to. And then beyond that, it's the older guys. Um, it's the guys who have played in a regional before, um, like Schwellenbach, like Roscom. Um, they're going to have to lead the way for some of these younger players who've done a nice job this year because it, 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 the intensity goes up. Um, it's, it's a different level of play if you're going against an SEC team or a Big 12 team, and especially if you're doing that in the postseason. Mitch, uh, a final thought here and uh, tough news for, for Coach Childress at A&M. What do you think is next for, for Coach Rob? Uh, could he find his way back to Lincoln in some sort of role, or is mm-hmm. it uh, time to go hunting and uh, enjoy retirement? I think those two things go together. I think I think uh, <laughs> Rob nice. Childress likes to likes to get his outdoor activities, uh, you know, as a as a priority in his life. And there's a place, uh, you know, multiple places in in Nebraska that he likes to do that. Um, you know, his son Max is going to be a senior in high school in, in College Station next year. Um, without knowing any inside information on this, I would imagine they want to stay in College Station and let him graduate uh, in, in 2022. And then we'll see. You don't have to make that decision right now. But Lincoln for sure, or the state of Nebraska for sure, is an option. It's been, it's been more than 15 years 
since Rob Childress left Nebraska as his permanent residence. And there is a part of him that still resides here because of how he feels about this state and how a lot of people in this state feel about him. So if he comes to Nebraska and decides to retire here and hunt and fish, and he can be any kind of an asset to the Nebraska baseball program or the Nebraska athletic department, then that's a win for him and for the Huskers. You are going to wear the AD hat for the next two minutes. Uh, What type of of reward slash compensation do you offer your current baseball coach? I thought you were going to ask me which stops out in the Big Red Blitz I was going to pick to go on if I was Bill Moose. you got to find a steakhouse in this state, and I know right. that would be hard wants, doing, right? <laughs> I think he wants to go to all 20, knowing Bill Moose. I, like, he, is a, he is like a man of the people. and like the He can put on his cattle rancher hat and go to every – there are not a lot of big towns. I mean, no offense to Grand Island. It is a big town in Nebraska, per, uh, you know, point of view. But um, there are some small towns, some, some little, little Bill Moose – type towns on that on that uh, big red blitz list anyway um if uh, yeah he's going to reward will bolt this offseason uh and and you know probably get his contract restructured and get a get a 40 percent raise you know hey why, why not uh, do what you need to do because maybe not this year but if this becomes a habit for will bolt and his program to win this conference uh, there are going to be teams in the Big 12 and in the SEC who come knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. And if he's being treated like a championship-level coach at Nebraska, knowing that this is his alma mater, it's going to become a, a very difficult place for him to leave. And I think that's what you want for your future if, if, you're, uh, if you're Bill Moose. And uh, you want, Bill Moose wants Will Bolt to be coaching at Nebraska long past the time that Bill, that, that Bill Moose himself is in that ADC. Mitch Sherman. Mitch, come by for a hot dog, bud. Thanks for the time today. All right. Thanks, Chris. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Solid gold from Mitch Sherman and the Athletic here talking Will Bolt, Nebraska baseball. And uh, that's a great idea to just start tailgating now for Nebraska-Michigan. We're at Haymarket Park, Roadshow Tuesday with Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Coming up next hour, Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. And uh, also Rick Kaczynski, uh, former Nebraska assistant, will be with us. Michael Dixon, voice of the Salt Dogs, also before we say goodbye. And then turn it over to him for the 2021 home opener. This is fantastic because we didn't get a home opener here at Haymarket last year for the dog season number 20. Just a couple of uh, uh, quick last thoughts before we get to Kenny Main and Aaron Rodgers on what we were talking about here, and that was that uh, National 24-7 Sports article and podcast uh, talking about fan bases and their fears. And we started off talking about Nebraska and, uh, you know, what about Coach Frost here and uh, doubt and doubt that exists and uh, the wondering if, if he's the guy or not. We, we believe he's the guy, clearly, and we also believe that it's going to take a little while to, to make it happen. Like his boss says, let's talk after year five. And uh, we had uh, a tweet come in from Actual Reality talking about Nebraska fans, the reset being the problem. I totally agree with that. Also, we mentioned along with this Twitter response, uh, the possessions 
the, the one possession games in uh, a number of those 20 losses during this tenure, and the penalties were the big thing. I, I think if we get it cleaned up uh, on Saturdays for Nebraska fans, that you'll see those losses turn into wins, and the 10 foot full, the, the 10 foot pole. Uh, talking point, Elijah, that you eloquently hit on was you're going to scare anyone off if you throw a hand grenade this soon into what's going on, despite some of the frustration. Uh, Collectively, I think they can be better. I think they will be better because, A, they know they've got to be. They're capable of doing it. And, C, they'll have plenty of practice time. And I think that's part of this this equation here was the development. Everyone had to go through COVID last year, but to Mitch's point about the job Will Bolt did uh, on top of COVID, having this team ready to rock and roll, that's miraculous. Uh, it can also set programs back uh, in transition, and I think uh, Nebraska was affected more than some other programs last season. Uh, one team got it right last year during COVID football, and that was Alabama. And uh, there's not many Alabamas out there. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's a reason Nick Saban's one of the best. We talked to uh, uh, Brad, uh, Brad Edwards about that. Edwards. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we talked to him last week about that, just about how, how special Saban is. I don't think there was ever any question that Nick Saban was going to get it right down in Alabama during COVID season, even when it's all weird. All these coaches trying to try new things. For some reason, I, I had a feeling that Nick Saban was going to get it right, and guess what? He did get it right, but not everyone's Bama. And uh, Nebraska, I mean – realistically i mean what would success be i mean it's not even close to bam anymore well what would a nebraska fan consider success be we've talked about it before but i mean when you, talk you get about a conference it, championship but you got to get a, you got a division you got to get a division championship i mean we, we were talking about that in, back in the first segment just like nebraska fans they're expecting eight nine wins uh or even better and if you're only getting eight nine wins every single year year in you're out you're going to end up not long with the job at Nebraska because of what the fan expectations are. At least that's what it was 10 years ago. I think ago. that shifted. I think it shifted, not for all fans, but I think uh, as long as it's been in this purgatory where you haven't got over the hump, I think expectations, I think the, the wish list is obviously championships and titles, but I think you'd settle for the short term right now as you continue to get better and build up. Just, you know, let's let's beat Iowa. Let's beat Wisconsin. Let's get to another Big Ten championship game. Let's be in the conversation in November. I mean, these you don't just hit hit light speed and boom, you're to your destination. That doesn't work in college football. I mean, obviously, you can take a, a monstrous jump when you have that. That, that turning the corner season. But a lot of times I look at Dabo Sweeney, man. I mean, Dabo was okay. And then it went from good to respectable to, to wow. Once you landed the right quarterback and you put it all together. So you can have that, that, that eight win to, to 11 win season. You can have that jump in a following season, but you got to hit some sweet notes to do it. Can we hear from Aaron Rodgers and Kenny Mayne? Can we hear from Aaron Rodgers first uh, on what his beef is with Green Bay? He explained it a little further with Kenny Mayne last night on SportsCenter. With my situation, look, it's it's never been about never been about the draft pick, uh, picking Jordan. I love Jordan. He's a great kid. Um, 
you know, he, he a lot of fun to, to work together. Uh, I love the coaching staff, love my teammates, you know, love the fan base in Green Bay. It's incredible, incredible 16 years. It's just kind of about a, a, a philosophy, you know, and and maybe forgetting that it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about it's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way. And a lot of this was put in motion last year, and uh, the wrench was just kind of thrown into it when I won MVP and played uh, the way I played last year. So this is just kind of, I think, uh, the, the spill out of all that. But, look, man, it is about the people, and that's the most important thing. Green Bay has always been about the people, from Curly Lambeau, uh, being owner and founder to the 60s with Lombardi and Bart Starr and all those incredible names to the 90s teams with Coach Holmgren and Farvey and the Minister of Defense to the, the run that we've been on. It's about it's about the people. That is Aaron Rodgers. You had uh, Matt LaFleur, the head coach for Green Bay, who saw it last night with Kenny Maine. Uh, response from LaFleur. Aaron definitely knows how we feel about him, how he's such an important part of our football team, such an important part of our organization. We're just going to continue to try and work through this and hopefully can get him back in the building at some point. Uh, Rogers wasn't in the building. Uh, he misses OTAs. I think that's a half a million dollars he leaves on the table from a uh, roster bonus standpoint, but he is... Well, he's got a lot of checks he's cashing. And uh, right now, it's pretty clear who is in Aaron Rodgers' crosshairs, and it's that it's, it's the Green Bay general manager. The guy doesn't communicate. He's obviously rubbed Aaron wrong, and uh, that that is the issue, and that's the game of chicken that's being played right now. Uh, do you get rid of the general manager to keep Aaron Rodgers? Do you move on from Aaron Rodgers? Do you, how much more do you want to put up with if you're a Packer fan? You've kind of gone through this quarterback drama already one time before with Favre. And, I mean, he's a, he's a great, he's a Hall of Famer. He got you a Super Bowl. Uh, Rodgers has also got you a Super Bowl. And, you know, you're, uh, you're maybe going for it on fourth down away from, from coming all the way back against Tampa in the uh, NFC Championship game. Last year, we're at Haymarket Park, the home opener for the Salt Dogs 2021 against the uh, Claiborne Railroaders. Dogs get rolling here. Blair Kirkhoff is coming up from the Kansas City Star. We'll spend time with Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska assistant. It's a great day to be out at the ballpark and uh, get on down here to Haymarket. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time here, Hale Varsity Radio. This hour, we're at Haymarket Park, the opener for the Lincoln Salt Dogs for 2021. And uh, good stuff next hour. Rick Kaczynski will be with us, Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star. <laughs> What's the reality of, of Julio in Kansas City? And uh, we'll talk to Blair about that. Uh, Michael Dixon, voice of the Salt Dogs, will be with us. Uh, wind is blowing out of the south, so the uh, the American flag, the uh, state flag of Nebraska, and the Salt Dog flag are straight up and, and blowing uh, south to north. A few Salt Dogs are out now in the, uh, the bullpen area along the right field line. The field is absolutely immaculate. The infield's been hosed down. And uh, you just had the uh, the railroaders finish some of their uh, batting practice. Nothing like the sound of a wood bat. 
and going yard, uh, kind of in the shadows of Memorial Stadium across the uh, the entrance to the capital city here off the interstate. PBA off to our right, some big old fluffy, puffy clouds that, uh, well, don't look great, but don't look horrible off to the south. So uh, that there, there is your your uh, scene setter. Uh, numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email chris at alevarsity.com. Can tweet at us. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio and at Herbal Essence for uh, Elijah Herbal. So uh, the dogs get going. Uh, reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, uh, Elijah, a couple of thoughts here as we uh, wrap up Hour 1. Uh, you know, what, what's one thing, you know, we talked about, you know, fear factor here for the fan base. What's one thing you'd, you'd put money on that, that is different in a better way for 2021? What do you, what in your bones do you feel is going to be okay with Nebraska football next season? What do I feel is going to be okay? What do I think is going to be better? Well, that's kind of one and the same, right? Because there are some areas where, I guess to your point, you know, what's what's acceptable and, and better may not be good enough, but let's just let's just hone in on acceptable. Uh, I'll say I think the Husker football team will have their penalties cleaned up, and because of that, I think they're going to be able to find more rhythm with their offense. I, th- I think you're going to see a better first down success. You're going to see them picking up third and shorts a little bit better. Uh, I think they're just going to be able to, you're going to feel the rhythm with the drives better this year than you did last year because you had things like penalties taken away from it. You'd, I mean, with no downfield threats, the teams are able to stack the box and you couldn't get mm-hmm. much yardage on first down. I, I think the offense is just going to be in a better rhythm. Does that mean it's head and shoulders above the offense we saw last year? Not necessarily, but I do believe it's just going to feel more enjoyable to watch uh, from a neutral fan perspective. Well, I'll say this too. Once the offense gets in rhythm, you, you've seen Nebraska just murder people uh, during the Frost era. And, and I look back to when it is clicking, how how overwhelming it was against Illinois a couple of times where they put up 40 or 50 points, how they hung half a hundred on Fleck and in Minnesota in that first season. Nebraska, once they get in rhythm and they get clicking and you get a defense on their heels, uh, they can score in bunches. And uh, you got the right trigger guy to do it in, in Adrian Martinez. Blair Kirkhoff's on the way. Hour two coming up from Haymarket Park. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out into Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at Haymarket Park Roadshow Tuesday for the Lincoln Salt Dogs home opener, the home opener for 2021. And it's awesome to be back at the ballpark 
after last year. Uh, the uh, dogs take on uh, Claiborne, the Railroaders. Uh, pre-game 635, uh, a little bit after 7, first pitch on ESPN Lakin. Uh, we welcome in tremendous uh, rider with uh, the Kansas City Star, uh, Royals, Chiefs, college football, uh, Blair Kirkhoff with us at Blair Kirkhoff on Twitter. Blair, how's your Tuesday? Thanks for the time. Yeah, doing great, Chris. I uh, hope you are, too. Doing outstanding, a better place, uh, I don't know where, than the, than the old ballpark on a Tuesday. But uh, yeah, Blair, want to... Want to want to get into uh, a bunch of different things, and you know, I want to start off with uh, Kansas football and, and your take on Coach Leipold and what he's walking into down at Kansas. Where can he go with that program? What's your reaction to to the hire? You can't go any further south uh, than than Kansas. That's that's for sure. I, look, he's a, He's a different hire than Kansas has made in, uh, since Mark Mangino had a successful tenure ended in 2009. Ever since then, they went either not ready for prime time, and that was Turner Gill in um, you know right after Mangino, or David Beatty, or too much prime time, and that was you know Charlie Weiss or Les Miles. And in Lance Leipold, you know they've got a guy who is quiet, reserved, successful, worked his way up the ladder, you know, um, knows this part of the country well, having worked at UNO and in Nebraska. And um, I, I think he is the, the right type of coach for, for Kansas, somebody who's just going to roll up his sleeves, work hard, not be satisfied with, you know, anything less than his expectations. And I don't know what those expectations should be for Kansas, I'm thinking, you know, it's going to take a while to dig out from the rubble um, of, of what uh, Kansas football has been for the last few years. Blair Kirkhoff's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Lance Leipold, uh, of course, Nebraska ties and a, just a tremendous career wherever he's been and how he flipped Buffalo now down in Lawrence. In your, in, in your takeaway with Mangino and even going back to Glenn Mason, how did they do it? I, I saw it on the field, but you were a little closer to it than, than I was. What made their program successful, and is that is that still able to happen in 2021 with a new coach down in Lawrence? Well, that, that's I'll you know, tell you what. That's a really good question. Uh, how you know could could you apply the you know the methods of Glenn Mason and, and Mark Mangino today? Glenn Mason was really smart. He came in to Kansas after working at Kent State briefly as the head coach, and he was able to recruit players like uh, like Dana Stubblefield and Gilbert Brown and Chris Mamalanga on the you know on, on the lines, and basically promised them if you come to Kansas, you'll play right away. You're you know even as freshmen, you're going to play right away. If you stay in the midwestern part of the country, the Big Ten. And go to Michigan, Michigan State, or or Ohio State. You're gonna, you know, your apprenticeship could last two or three years, and that playing time was really attractive to those types of players. So he built from the inside out, and that was extremely successful. One thing that Mangino did, which um, it, you know, which which proved to be very very successful, he he happened to come along at Kansas and build the program just as Bill Snyder was starting to decline at Kansas State, and so it was Mark Mangino able to get in-state recruits like Todd Reesing, the quarterback, and, and um, Kerry Meyer, the, the, the tight end, and the, Jake Sharp, the running back. You know, the, the Kansas, well, Reesing, of course, from Texas, under-recruited kid, 
overlooked kid in the state of Texas, but he recruited this part of the country really well and was able to uh, to have great success with that. So can those can can Lance Le- Leipold do that? I think he's certainly going to have to recruit uh, locally better than uh, his predecessors and. Um, he's just going to have to have some luck with future NFL type of players because anymore to win at the highest level of college football in the Power Five, you better have some pros on your team, and that just Kansas hasn't had that for quite a while. Blair Kirkops joining us, Hale Bar City Radio. Going to fast forward to to Lincoln here, and Blair, you you've covered Nebraska, you've seen Nebraska, uh, and uh, you've seen where things started with in the frost era and where they're at right now what what do you think uh is in store for 2021 uh with nebraska football knowing their schedule that has ohio state that has oklahoma do you think uh it can be a a pretty good looking seven and five six and six or do you think it's going to be another struggle season for nebraska well, just there, I, I look at Nebraska as being probably a year behind where people thought it was going to be. Just a, um, and, that, and, and that's that's okay. I think it reflects the the enormity of the job that that, that Scott Frost inherited, and it, it's just going to take a, a little while longer than than fans would want and hope and expect. And um, and it's easy for me to say, oh, that's okay. Um, it, but for fans who are you know, who are loyal and and um, you know and, and, and devoted and you know have, have understand what winning football is. It's hard to ask more patience from them. But I do think that signs of progress need to be shown this year. There there has to be a, a bowl eligibility season for for the Huskers and then and, and then build off of that. I I'm, and I, I think this team is capable. I haven't I haven't seen the early. You know, preseason polls. I know this time last year we were talking about Nebraska as a potential top twenty-five team, and, um, and but I haven't seen the polls this year. I, I, I don't think I don't think we're going to see them in them, uh, which is probably a good thing. You know, you can you can build on that. You can you can play the, the disrespect card, and nobody believes in us, and circle the wagons, and um, and, and make it make it maybe make it work that way. Get some uh, get some motivation, but. I'm not saying time's running out, but I, I think it's. I, I think with a year, you know, the additional year of um, you know uh, that that I think Frost deserves in terms of just fans and expectations. Th- this is the year they gotta. You gotta show. You, you have to show and and, uh, and and get you know win, beat some Big Ten opponents that you haven't beaten in a while, and just get to a bowl game and start from there. Blair Kirkops with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Blair, I think the, the, the most frustrating part for a lot of the Nebraska fan base is, yes, it's been the losing, and uh, there's been some losses that you, you get it handed to you. But for the most part, it's been one-possession ball games against some of your peers or the teams you're trying to take down. Now, you didn't get a chance to take on Wisconsin because they – opted out due to COVID issues last year, but you were right there against Northwestern, your West Division champ. You were right there against Iowa. One possession game. I mean, the Iowa game's been, you know, uh, a 2.0 version of the Nebraska-Colorado finishes where Nebraska was on the winning side for X number of years in one possession game. So they're really close. It just kind of comes down to, well, uh, a penalty or a turnover here and there. And 
in your experience covering college football, can a team all of a sudden be a program that takes care of the football if for years they've, they've had issues handling that, uh, that, that fumble problem or a strip sack or the untimely fumble? Yeah, look, I think those are the types of things that can be coached out of a team. And, um, and, and you're right. And it, you know, just, it, it's not just the losing. It's the painful nature of the losses that, uh, you know, that, that, gets, that, that get the Huskers. I, you know, what, what, the, um, the Minnesota loss, you know, they, just, they, they add up. And, and, uh, but, but, yes, I mean, what is, it, is it Phil Steele in his magazine does the great little uh, the feature of, you know, t- turnovers equal turnarounds and, yep. you know, teams that had an abundance, you know, if they were real, you know, heavy on the plus side and turnover margin one year, tend to fall back and regress to the to the mean the following year and so the team success does as well and conversely you know teams that have the the, the big negative in the turnover margin you know you you you, you know you really put the fear uh, in, in your players to to clean that stuff up and you know you you get that stat going and working in your favor and and that's how you you know you steal a, a couple extra possessions in a game that way and that's the that is the difference in a, in a one-score victory or a one-score defeat. So that, that 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 has to happen. Physically, Nebraska matches up with, with teams. You know, it, maybe everybody outside of Ohio State, they're going to match up against. You've you just got to take care of the ball. Don't make the mental mistakes. Don't, don't get the cheap penalty. Don't, you know, don't beat yourself. And... Um, and I do think. Look, I, I've seen some of the. I do. I have seen some of the preseason um, uh, speculation where, where Scott's on the on the hot seat. I don't know about that. I, I, I don't. I, I. It's just that I. You know, he can ill afford another. You know, three, four win season, and and that just should not happen in Nebraska this year. Blair Kirkhoff with us, the Kansas City Star at Tail Bar City Radio here at Haymarket Park on a Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> give me the Blair Kirkhoff uh, slim or, or none or maybe or may or yeah, quite possibly. Uh, th- that's the uh, that's the wheel here. We're spinning for uh, for Julio Jones uh, and, uh, and and the Chiefs, right? Because why not add him to that offense already? Is that something that Kansas City could pull off? Have you heard anything on that? I saw some I, I saw some internet rumors about that earlier today. Um, I, I hadn't thought much about it. I, I think that the Chiefs like what they have in Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson, and I think they're really high on Byron Pringle, a guy who only has a handful of career receptions. You know, came out of Kansas State, and uh, and his every time he's given a shot to uh, just to play, he's he's done something well and. I think they're going to make him a you know a, 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 you know they're going to just give him a lot more reps this year, and I think he's going to take full advantage of it. But I did see some uh, some some rumors about Julio Jones, and he's he's sensational. There's no doubt about it. If he can stay healthy, he's he really is one of the top receivers in the game. And and the the, the Chiefs have made moves like this in the past. You know, they went out and got um, you know uh, Le'Veon Bell last year. That didn't work out so great, but. They went out and got him, and, um, and, and 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 he played with the Chiefs through the you know through the postseason. And um, they, Kansas City's an attractive place, and Patrick Mahomes certainly is a is an attractive uh, you know um, uh, player to, to to call a teammate. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I I think the Chiefs have made the moves that they're going to make to 
fortify their what they thought was their biggest weakness, and it was the offensive line, as we all saw from the Super Bowl. And um, and I think it's 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 now you know going forward from from there. I'd be surprised if they signed uh, Julio Jones, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Mm. Brian, we'll get you out of here on this, and thanks for checking in with us. And it's fun to chat some ball with you, Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City Star, Hale Varsity Radio. So far, what have you learned about the Royals? Great comeback uh, on Sunday for Kansas City. Uh, a lot of one-run games. Uh, they, you know, in 45 games, they, they're seven and five, and in 12 one-run games. So. What, what can you apply so far about the Royals? Can they be in this uh, deep into the summer? Yeah, um, look, they, they have played well. It's funny, they, they've been the hot, cold, hot team this year, right? They had the best record in baseball in April. They had an 11-game losing streak in May. And look, I think if you're, if you're a team capable of losing 11 in a row, you probably aren't a postseason team. But then they've turned around since. They've won six out of nine. And they're one game under 500. So um, and now they have their, their work cut out for them. They go to Tampa Bay tonight, and there's no team hotter in baseball than the Rays. They've won 11 in a row, and they're just crushing, crushing teams. But Alberto Mondesi is going to be back in the lineup tonight. After his first game this season, after a two-month uh, absence, he um, you know, injured, um, injured, injured an oblique coming out of uh, spring mm-hmm. training and hasn't played, and now he's back. And So there's hope there. I think this is a team that could hover around 500, and if in baseball, if you're around 500, then you, you're, you're probably playing some meaningful baseball in September, and that's all any Royals fan wants is just to have a reason to pay attention and go to the ballpark in September when you know when, when games have some meaning, and um, that that would be a, that would be a nice change of pace for, for from the last few years. Blair, have you followed what Will Bolt did uh, in this uh, second season, but really year one in the Big Ten, uh, regular season champs? And jumped into the top 25, I saw. That, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I, yeah I, still, I, I still follow it, and, uh, and I, I think it's fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I remember the days of, uh, you know, of Nebraska and the College World Series and going to games there myself and having my son play there for a season. I just – I had I've had so many fond memories of the ballpark you're sitting in now, and and um, and I, I feel great for for the for the baseball team. Blair, take care. Best to you. We'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay, Chris. Take care. All right, Blair Kirkhoff with us, Kansas City Star. Good stuff uh, on the Royals and uh, Julio and and the Chiefs. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> we'll see. It's something Kansas City could could just say. Okay. Uh, we've taken care of the O line. Let's just go get uh, go go get Julio to pair. But uh, already some weapons with the Chiefs and some good thoughts there on on Nebraska football by Blair Kirkhoff. And Blair's a a national college football guy, but has spent uh, a lot of Saturdays in Memorial Stadium, so knows the program really pretty well from uh, a national viewpoint. And that's uh, interesting thoughts on on Coach Leipold in Kansas. And I hope Lance does well down there. Uh, with the Jayhawks and uh, always uh, enjoyed what he did uh, at UNO and, and followed his career. Rick Kaczynski, longtime Nebraska assistant. He'll be with us next to Tuesday with Kaz. We're here at Haymarket Park, just in front of the Salt Dogs home opener for 2021 at Tail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! 
Back with you. We're here at Haymarket Park. It's Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Tuesday, the home opener for the Salt Dogs. 2021 season number 20 for the Dogs. They're getting ready for some batting practice. That's been ongoing. Some infield working and some uh, some outfield fly balls going. Pretty excited. Junior's team is uh, going to be here tonight, and they are going to take uh, a copious amount of notes on what their position, their player-specific position does and what they do well. Uh, let's see if that uh, happens on the old practice field uh, Thursday. Let's uh, welcome in a uh, great coach at Nebraska and Iowa. And uh, we say hi to Rick Kaczynski uh, Tuesdays with Kaz on Hale Varsity. Kaz, what's good? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I, I'm living it, man. I've got the window open, Kaz, uh, here in the uh, – the, the press box, I'm staring at Memorial Stadium. I see PBA, and I got the infield in front of me. How fast can Kaz get around the bases uh, from home to home? Are you Ricky Henderson, or are you Clue Haywood? <laughs> uh, I tell you what, I don't know. I don't want to give my secrets up there, man. And since there's no... There's no video uh, evidence to, uh, to dispute that, but I'm, I'm a little bit more. I'm gonna go like a, like Ch- yeah, I'm a old Tiger guy. I'm gonna go like Chet Lemon. How about we do that or, or Sweet Lou or Trammel? You know, just just solid. Get get I get done what I need to get done, but uh, definitely okay. not Ricky Henderson. I can't I, I can't I can't sell that, brother. That's a tough sell there. So, okay, the 2021 version of Kaz versus the MVP uh, version of, of your boy uh, in, in 84 uh, with the Tigers, Gibby. Could you have beat Gibby? Could, could Kaz now have beat Gibby 84 around the bags? I can't beat Gibby now, brother. And uh, let me tell you, Gibby was a freak athlete. You know, he was, he was a heck of a football dude player for Michigan State, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he literally, somebody told him to go out for baseball. I don't think he went out for baseball till his junior year in college. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he does the color for the uh, for the Tigers. So uh, I get to hear uh, get to hear Gibby almost uh, almost every night. So when they're on here on the on the MLB network, so I'm gonna get one of those shirts. I saw it advertiser. It says uh, Tigers make me want to drink. So I think I'm gonna put put one of those shirts on there pretty soon. They drive me nuts. Like I don't have enough stuff stressing me out in life. I, I watch the Tigers and the Red Wings. So what are we gonna do, man? Well, I I, uh, I got to go visit. And you, how many times would you say you've been to Old Tiger Stadium in your life? Oh, probably Old Old, old Tiger. Oh yeah. gosh, like for 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 games. Yeah, at least yeah, just fifteen yeah. games, and okay. and then and then went and then went back there several times after '99. After it was it was kind of part of our pilgrimage. And I'm a sick puppy. I go to I go to Detroit for vacation, so that was that was our vacation, one of our one of our spots. So I always always went down to the corner there. So yeah, um, yeah fun. It's it's amazing. They didn't keep any of it. There's a cool bar there called Nemo's. Um, and then there's a little souvenir shop there uh, on the corner, and that's that's all that's left. It's really it's really a shame that the 
the city didn't do more to keep at least some semblance of old Tiger Stadium. But it was it was an awful place. It really it really was bad views. I mean, the flagpole was on the field. I don't know if you remember that. It was. I, I remember. It was. I remember going. I, see, I remember going to Tiger Stadium. Me and a buddy, Jay Bird, uh, he got me into broadcasting. And he's like, let's go to let's go on a baseball trip. And I'm like, done. Let's go do it. So we hit Wrigley and we hit Old Tiger Stadium because he's a big Tigers guy. And and it was a, a, a matinee, matinee, like a 2 o'clock start, and it was Oakland. So Jeremy Giambi's out in right field warming up. And God bless him. He had, a, he had an extra plug for me so he bummed me one which was cool better than the autograph right and uh <laughs> but we go to the bar to to have one before we go to the, the the tigers game when we walk in there and there's like four guys that are ancient but could still whoop your butt right they're in their 70s at the time <laughs> they've got you know camel non-filters going they're they're wearing flannel and there's shuffleboard going and we walk in and they look at us two little snot-nosed college punks and you know i thought we were going to die kaz (laughs) yeah that's uh that's that's detroit for you man that's detroit that's chicago but uh yeah there's uh now now it's cool to go to dive bars and drink cheap beer, you know. <laughs> These cheap beer become as expensive as imports, you know. So, but hey, what a country, huh? It is. I got to ask you about some football. I love talking baseball with you, though. So I got to ask you, Kaz. Let's talk recruiting 2021. And if you're setting a board right now, if you're putting your board together for 2022 and 2023 prospects. How much are you allowing for high school evaluation, and what kind of door are you keeping open to the possibility uh, of a kid that you really like that you finished second to, knowing that there's a free pass with this portal? Well, I think I think Schmitty, you know, this well, you know, a couple things. This this portal, I don't think you're you're really going to know how it's going to affect college football and conferences and teams and until five ten years down the line i mean personally i don't i don't like it mm-hmm. uh, i i don't think you can build a program off a transfer portal i think i think you you, know, you always keep a couple slots open just because you're gonna lose people so i think you know i think if you're at a place like nebraska or a a big 10 team right on the cusp there you you, you keep two three open there but i think if if you go try to build that a roster that way it's going to be tough recruiting high school kids um and and i also think that you know when those guys leave or if they're not successful it's always tough to replenish that program if you look at you know kansas with coach weiss and mangino they built that with jc kids well if those kids don't pan out or or if you don't continue that if that's not the mark of your program you know, you might you might hit a um, you know you might hit the bullseye a year here and there, but I just don't think you can. I just don't think you can build a program that way. Uh, but you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to keep a couple slots open. But I but I also think it's gonna naturally open up because you're gonna have kids leave at all times of the year. Uh, I'm just I'm not a big proponent of it. Um, I, I think it'll hurt. It hurts people just as 
much as it as it benefits people in in the short time that that I'm that I'm seeing it. What's there? Almost fifteen hundred kids in there now, mm-hmm. and I, I just I just think it's bad for amateur sports. I think it's bad for for college football. That's that's just my humble opinion. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail Varsity Radio Tuesday with Kaz. So Kaz, I, I sent you, and you've seen the the article on the concern that tampering exists. It's alive. It's well and. It's probably not new, but it's probably more prevalent because of the portal. Uh, is there a way to, to fix this, or is this just uh, a runaway train right now with the concerns by a lot of the coaches that voiced uh, reservation about what, what college football is now? Oh, absolutely. It's a runaway train. Um you know, people are going to do it. If there's no consequences for actions, and you know, you're not supposed to do it, but it's so broad. There's so much gray. I mean, what are, what are the penalties? Uh, and there's so many, so many ways to reach out to kids now between social media, you know, using players that, you know, it, it, the network, the, the world has shrunk so much and the country has shrunk. College football has shrunk. It's so easy to get in touch with these kids now. You know, it's like a guy living down the street. There's so many ways around it, so many ways to have it not be tracked to you or, you know, using, um, you know, there's other players involved, using the high school coach, you know, using an AAU coach, using a baseball coach, a basketball coach, using somebody from the from the player's youth. It's just, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how you regu- regulate it, but it's, yeah, it's like texting or anything else. If the consequence texting while dry, if the consequences aren't harsh, people are going to continue to do it. But it, it's always going to go on. Um, but once again, I, I just don't think you can build a program that way. Um, and if you're losing a kid after a year or two, and, and you know, good players who are on good teams, they're not going to leave. So the key is, you know, win some football games. And if you're a good player, find your way on the field. It's not going to be easier if you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I just it, it, I just don't like the way things, things are going. But unless the NCAA steps in and says, okay, here's the time frame, here's the consequences that if we find out you contact this person, you got to make an example. Right now there's no examples. Right now, there's no consequences. So if you t- until you do that, it's it's the wild, wild west out there. But also, too, you know, I, and and I'm looking at this as a as a coach, as mm-hmm. a player, and as a parent. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be contacted by a coach during the season from a from an opposing team or another school. I would not if somebody if my kid was playing college football. And some coach contacted during during the year. Let me tell you, I, it, that's how you stop it. You go public with that. You know, you say, "Hey, Coach Schmidt, he contacted my kid Saturday night after the game, saying, hey, you know, why would you want to play for that loser? We 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 just beat your tail and come in play for me.' You know, so it, it's just I just think it's really really bad. I just don't think it's good for. Let, let's be honest. I mean, these 17, 18 year old kids college is hard the transition it's really easy it's really easy to uh talk these kids into to making a, a decision that might not be the best decision 30 40 years from now might be the best decision saturday after you know they played only six minutes and their and their buddies played the 
the whole game and caught the winning touchdown. You know, it's real easy um, talking to those kids and swaying them. So um, I, I just don't. I just don't think it's right. I think they need to do something. But once again, it's not the tampering. That's my concern. I think it's the portal. The portal to me is a is a major major is much more of a major concern than the actual tampering of the coaches. Rick Jasinski is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach Kaz. Kaz, we'll do this again, brother. It was awesome to have another chat with you. We'll uh, get caught up next Tuesday if that works for you, bud. And appreciate you talking about that uh, that, that base time. You and Bo Jackson, baby, rounding first. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk. To, how about them Husker? How about that Husker baseball team, huh? Oh, give them awesome. guys some love. We'll talk some Husker baseball. So, hey, everybody loves a winner, right? I'm jumping on the wagon. There's room for you, baby. There's All room right, for man. you. Guys, be good, brother. You. Appreciate Thanks, you having me on. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. A lot of fun here at Haymarket Park. The Salt Dogs opener here, 2021. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, batting practice and infield done. Uh, first pitch coming up shortly after 7. Uh, and uh, Michael Dixon will be with us here in about uh, five to seven minutes. Voice of the Salt Dogs, Charlie Meyer, President GM, just popped by. He is awesome. And uh, get the kids, get the family out here to the ballpark this season. Friday's going to be uh, wild as well with Nebraska-Michigan. Can't wait for that. Uh, let's dive into some of uh, the, the, the golf naughtiness, and that's uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. And you've seen it likely on social media, the eye roll, the... Well, the uh, the the S talking that that, <laughs> that happened, and uh, no love lost here. Can we roll that, Elijah? Is it edited, my friend? Oh yeah, it's all edited down. No no cuss words here. Thank you, good lord. Uh, this was uh, the moment with the the Golf Channel and Brooks Kepka is trying to answer after a tough round. And well, I mean, and 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 look, look, Brooks had a had a day. He was great, just not as good as Phil. And uh, well. Bryson was was walking along the pathway, and they can't stand one another. This was juicy. Golf course was asking a lot from you today, Brooks. What were you able to do well and put up that nice number? Just ball struck my way around this place. Um, didn't putt well, but I don't think many guys are going to putt well with this wind. It's it's very tough. I don't like I said. I don't know what other guys have said, or I just felt it difficult to read. You know, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, I fucking lost. I lost my train of thought. Yeah, <laughs> hearing that bull. Ah, there we go. So Bryson uh, lost his train of thought because of that uh, BS. <laughs> Brooks and, and and Bryson hate one another, right? And and listen, you've got to make a choice on this issue. Are you team? Brooks, or are you team Bryson? And and there may not be a right answer. <laughs> there may not be a wrong answer. But you know what? You you can choose an answer, right? It's kind of like Elijah, yay or nay? Were you a fan of of the uh, pick your own adventure books? Yes or no? No, not I'm not really. Um, they're they're kind of a fun novelty. It's like those. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw that Black Mirror episode on Netflix, where it's the same thing, where you're going through and you're kind of choosing how you're going to get the ending of the show. You're choosing what the main character is going to do, and it just kind of like, yeah, it's cool once, but also it's just such a novelty. I'd, I'd rather just have a normal book, you know. Mm. 
Well, the, uh, the, the beef is, is alive and well between Kepka and DeChambeau. And it, it, yeah, last night, the, the leaked video you just heard, the post-Rotten Golf Channel interview from the PGA Championship. You got Kepka rolling his eyes, cursing at, at DeChambeau as he walks behind him in the shot. And don't kid yourself, that was probably not accidental. Uh, a move that left Kepka visibly annoyed, frustrated, distracted, uh, very heated. While the video served to uh, discredit anyone who believed rumors of a feud between the two was overhyped, it also presented the perfect opportunity to revisit how we got to this point. And it starts with slow play. We've been there. Either we are the, the, the jokers that can't find our ball or we are treating that that two dollar push on hole number 13 like it is number 18 at augusta or we're behind a group that is playing slow and it, it it's frustrating and it never fails you hit a couple of good shots in a row then you get stuck behind somebody in slow play and you you just torch one off the tee box the wrong way and yeah, it's slow play, and you got to go back to 2019, uh, where players got into Bryson for slow play, and, and that led to DeChambeau telling Kepka's caddy to inform Brooks that he should confront him about the matter if he had something to say. You don't like it? Say it to my face, man. He, you know that's that's Bryson. Uh, so. So shortly after DeChambeau and, and Kepka joined uh, Michael Collins on Out of Bounds to discuss Bryson takes too long to hit the ball debacle. And the scientists conceded that being slow on the greens and fessing up to uh, put more time on the clock more than once is explaining how he finds himself in those situations. So they looked at it. The other thing is the physical appearance smack. At one point, you had Bryson get all over on social media, Brooks Kepka, about his body. DeChambeau is live streaming while playing a video game instead of Brooks. He doesn't have any abs, to be honest. I got some abs. Came after his, uh, his physique. Now, Kepka was quick to get back and swiftly shutting DeChambeau down behind his keyboard with the help of some friends. And Bricks is like, well, Bryson, I, I'm too short of a six-pack, and it's his four major championships, which was pretty good. And then you get Kepka calls on Kenny Powers. Now, the PGA Tour returned after the coronavirus shutdown. All of a sudden, DeChambeau was yoked and was hitting his drives further than any player had consistently done so in the tour's history. Bryson can say he began protein shakes, uh, you know, and, and shook it up after the war awards with Brooks for the sake of science. But I'm not willing to rule out their burgeoning feud played in a part. Uh, case in point, the newly buffed DeChambeau confronted uh, with the CBS camera operator during the 2020 tournament. Kepka awarded the, uh, appeared to subtweet him, uh, with, uh, with with kind of a raging 
big guy, Kenny Powers, confronts steroid allegation. <laughs> so Kepka's won the battle here on social media, and now it finally got leaked. If I'm having to lean, I'm probably leaning Brooks if I'm going Team Kepka or Team Bryson. And the thing that put me over the top wasn't wasn't Kepka, his eye rolling. It wasn't DeChambeau walking in the shot. It was DeChambeau being that guy in the gym that had somebody film himself today in his Puma Yellow rocking, God, what were they, 60, 65, 75 dumbbells, and he's just cranking out a rap a set. And while that's impressive, you don't have to be the guy. You look like you're that guy. You don't need to have someone film it and then throw it on social media after you uh, you finish nine back a lefty and, and about six back of Kepka. So there. Uh, I'm not the biggest Brooks guy, but DeChambeau seems uh, seems like the type of guy that would probably make your sister pay for dinner. Yeah, Fair it, to say? Yeah, the, the best part. In, in in my opinion, was at the end of the end of the little segment. Uh, the the interviewer goes, uh, "We're gonna have some fun with that in the truck." And he goes, "Oh, do what you want with that. I don't even care." He's like, yeah. he's like, leak away, yeah, leak away. <laughs> like, th- this is not like he's not trying to be private with his hate for DeChambeau. He's like very public. Like, yeah, everyone knows I hate this dude. That they can enjoy this video all they want because I mean, let's be honest, it's a hilarious video. It's pretty good. Uh, Michael Dixon is incredible. Salt Dogs baseball. On the air, ESPN Lincoln, uh, another season, the home opener. Uh, Michael, the voice of the dogs, will be with us here shortly. Before we say goodbye, a uh, train is crawling along. Uh, the, the track's here, just a gorgeous scene beyond uh, right field with uh, the downtown of good old Lincoln, uh, USA. We're here. One more segment, Tail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery here at Haymarket Park for the Dogs Home Opener 2021. Play-by-play voice, Michael Dixon with us. Michael, good to see you, brother. Thanks for having us out. Thanks for letting us into your booth. And what a great night for baseball. You've got to have been just jonesing for this moment. Yeah, man, it was, it was weird uh, with no baseball in 2020 and uh, starting on the road for the first week here in uh, 2021. But uh, right when you went to break, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, man, just what we get to look at when we're here with Memorial Stadium in center field and, and uh, downtown Lincoln and right field. Um, it just, uh, you think you don't miss it for a little while last summer when you're doing some normal stuff and then you, you kind of quickly realize that uh, this is where you belong and uh, can't thank you guys enough for, for all that you've done uh, for 20 years down the road too. Well, tell us about the dogs, what you're excited about through uh, the first few games. Yes, you get to come home and, and see it here at Haymarket, but you know, what uh, What can folks see from this squad this season? Well, it's just a, a, a good bunch, good group, uh, a lot of smiling faces. Doesn't seem like there's uh, a whole lot of tension or anything like that. New manager, Brett Jody, who uh, was only looking for a job because his uh, team in Somerset out in the Atlantic <laughs> League uh, became the double-A affiliate of the Yankees. So mm-hmm. the Yankees put their guys in there, and, and uh, uh, we got lucky, to, to, to be honest with you, with Brett Jody. So um, just... Any ball club managed by Brett Jody is a fun one to watch. 
Uh, it seems like there's a nice balance between the arms and, and the bats. And, uh, you know, three wins and five to start the year. And uh, it's always nice to come up with more wins than uh, you have losses. So so far early on, I mean, uh, personality-wise, uh, what, what what is he bringing to this ball club? Because they're, they're, they're always kind of locked in and that's yeah. that's what you want i think he's uh he's a player's guy for sure he's um he, he's a former big leaguer himself he knows what it takes to get to the big leagues he knows how difficult the sport is how difficult minor league baseball is so instead of being upset um in, in certain situations where, where previous managers might have been upset at certain guys and, and, and didn't handle a situation the way they should have um i think brett uh, a lot more so that than, than a lot of guys in baseball or uh, he's patient mm-hmm. he's ready to work with these guys he knows what he needs to do, and he knows what he needs them to do. And there's just an understanding between both the player and the manager uh, of what to expect. And um, every guy loves him, and uh, he's such a nice guy to talk to. And um, like I said, the Celtics got so lucky to uh, to have Brett Jody as the manager here in 2021. Voice of the Salt Dogs, Michael Dixon with us. Hail Varsity Radio here, Roadshow Tuesday. Haymarket Park, uh, the Railroaders and the Salt Dogs get rolling pregame 635 right here on ESPN. Lincoln locally. And uh, if you're out in central Nebraska or eastern Nebraska and you're listening to us on our affiliates, uh, uh, can log on uh, saltdogs.com. Uh, get acquainted. Bring the, the family down here for a weekend of baseball you will absolutely love it. Uh, I got about uh, 20 seconds here, Michael. A thought here on the railroaders here. What uh, what's the opposition look like? Good team, uh, one that, that that Lincoln's had a tough time beating uh, historically, but uh, also has played very well against here at Haymarket Park. So always fun uh, place that I was for two years before I came here, and uh, just fun to see old friends again. That's so good, Michael. We'll do this Thanks, again. Man. We'll get you on, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it, Michael Dixon, voice of the Salt Dogs. As uh, Haymarket going to be full up for the first time in a year here for Salt Dogs Baseball, the opener for the 20th season. And that makes me smile. Uh, first job out of college was with the Salt Dogs, so a special place in my heart. Elijah Herbal, you rock. Thank you so much. Back tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity.